Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brands Tech. This episode of the interview show will begin in just one moment, so please stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, and welcome to this episode of the interview show right here on Brands Tech. I really hope that everyone has been doing well. So today, I'm happy to have my guest today, Joshua Stuck. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Brandon. It's great to be here. Um, looking forward to whatever you've got planned for us today. <laughs> that sounds great to me. And so the way that I always start off my podcast is that I first ask, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. A little tired after yesterday because you both know we were setting up for the graduations. So those will be fun coming up the next week. But otherwise, I'm doing really good. What about yourself? I am doing quite well. Thank you for asking. It's been a great day thus far, and I can't wait to to get on with this conversation. All righty, let's keep going. All right. So before we go ahead and get started, I did want to say that, you know, when coming up with trying to figure out what we can talk about for today, you are actually quite skilled in a lot of, or at least knowledgeable in a lot of different areas across the technological field from, you know, from cybersecurity to even television production. You have done um, quite a bit. And even if I can recall what we were discussing earlier on is that you've even, that you even know how to do maintenance on devices such as Chromebooks too. Uh, yeah, I was on a technology assistance team back at Denby High School in my senior year before everything went to heck in a handbasket with the disease going around. Uh, but during that time, I worked primarily on Chromebooks. I've been self-taught to work on a few other devices, such as Apple phones and Samsung phones. However, I am in no way, shape, or form a professional in any of these fields. I've only had some formal training. I don't have any certifications. So everything I say to anyone out there is based off of my personal experience and research. Uh, feel free to double check me on everything. I am not a certified professional, aside from maybe in the television field, because I do have industry certifications for that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I'm just really glad that you agreed to be here today. So I'm really looking forward into getting into this conversation. We'll primarily be focusing on cybersecurity, which is actually what you are majoring in for college. Uh, yes, I am. Computer science with a focus in cybersecurity, and I feel like it's a really, really big topic these days, especially after the Colonial Pipeline hack uh, that shut down the gasoline flow to the East Coast for about a day or so. Yeah, I mean, I know that, yeah, especially for us in this in this time, especially like quite literally as a time recording this just a few weeks ago, I mean, you know, that was a really... That's well, it still is a really major in incident. And so, yeah, it really comes to show like how important, you know, cybersecurity is. And yeah, especially with the maintaining of it. Oh, yeah. Maintenance is always going to be the hardest part with cybersecurity, as uh, not only will our protections evolve, but the people that are hacking us will also evolve. It will always be a race to see who can one up the other next because. At a certain point, we'll find out the limits of what each side can do, and we just have to hope that our defenses will come out on top. Yeah, that is quite true. And out of curiosity, what actually got you into cybersecurity? Oh, God. Oh, this is a little bit of an embarrassing one, but I'll go ahead and tell you this one anyway. Um, 
I was, as some of you all out there that know me might know, I enjoy video games quite a bit. And I'm sure just off of that line, some of you have already thought of the game that I'm going to be talking about, but I got into Watch Dogs uh, when I was younger, and essentially it puts you in the roles of a hacker vigilante. Um, but then I started doing research based on Watch Dogs, kind of got a little bit of a hyper fixation on hacking and cybersecurity. And I was like, it, there's no way it can be that easy. There's no way someone could actually do that, right? And then I realized that reality was scarier than fiction. Uh, because while it's not necessarily that easy, it can be. Uh, just the push of a button sometimes if you've got the right things pre-programmed. Wow, that is a really interesting story. And But yeah, I mean, it's taken you um, a while to where you, yeah, to where you are now. And so... Yeah, and learning, yeah, and finding out more about cybersecurity. What is, what do you think is probably the, and the thing that probably most shocked you in your, in your various research? Um, I'd say some of the stuff that has shocked me the most is that, um, probably the fact that a lot of cybersecurity stuff and hacks don't make the news, at least not the major news. Uh, a lot of stuff will not make headlines on CNN or Fox or ABC or NBC, whatever you choose to get your news from. A lot of the cybersecurity stuff and the hacks that occur won't make the news. They won't be put out there to the public to know about. And part of that reason is apparently because, in one sense, ignorance is bliss. We don't know how often we're being attacked, how frequently, or from where. Uh, because millions and millions of hacks are initiated each day from the innocent, quote-unquote, uh, of someone hacking into someone else's phone just to peek at their pictures. I don't know. It, that's just a random throwaway example. To the highly criminal of the dark side hack on the Colonial Pipeline, which ended up shutting down gas pipelines for over a day, until we gave them millions of dollars in ransom. So it's interesting how skewed it is with what people will report on, especially considering how many things don't make it, even if they are the big ones. Yeah, and one of the things that I've noticed, like in reporting since, yeah, communication is one of the several fields in which I'm interested in um, and one I'm studying, but, you know, it's almost where when things don't make the news like especially stuff that happens so often it really just comes to show how common it really is and you know because a lot of times like very uncommon or major things are the stuff that make the news whereas you know the more common something is the less likely it is to make such big national headlines oh yeah uh so much does miss that and it's such a dangerous line that we flirt with at that point um especially considering the things that we have encountered more recently. Yeah, and what do you think is probably the, like, in terms of an everyday person? Because I think not everyone's really aware of, like, the whole scope of cybersecurity and, yeah, you know, the importance of it. Because, you know, we just use the Colonial Pipeline, for example, you know, which is, of course, a very national thing. But I think so many people are still unaware that, this is an issue that pertains to even like individuals such as um, both of us. It really does. And once it gets to a certain point, it will end up not mattering uh, 
who you are, how much money you have, you're going to get hacked at some point. That is just the statistical likelihood of it. Everyone in this modern era, if you've got some piece of technology that you use, it's likely that you'll get hacked or get a virus or something like that eventually. Yeah, and what do you think is... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I was just grabbing my water. But, yeah, I think, you know, even having done, you know, my own research throughout the several years and the, what, five years now that I've done content creation, like, especially, like, in focusing of technology, I mean, there's so many different issues that, you know, people are unaware of, but that happen every day. I mean, from even... You know, people using the same, you know, the same passwords across all of their numerous hundreds of accounts to even sharing out some of their passwords to their friends, their family, to their, you know, their ex, whoever, and whatever the case may be. And so many other stuff, like even downloading software, you know, and keeping those boxes checked that, you know, that contain all of this random software that they've never even heard of. What do you think is the, mm-hmm. what do you think, I guess is some of the biggest threats to these individuals. And what are your thoughts about all of this, all the stuff that might happen? Biggest threats to individuals is probably that as individuals, we don't like to read everything, especially if we think it's just the same usual mumbo jumbo of, oh, we're gonna do this, you agreed all this. But if you're not careful, If you don't read through the terms and conditions and privacy policies of different things, something that is completely innocent could turn out to be something that is very much so trying to steal every piece of your information that it can. Um, So that's probably the one thing that comes to mind instantly. And also human curiosity. Those are two of the biggest risks. Um, A prime example of the human curiosity is that People, if they find something on the ground, they'll want to figure out what it is or what to do with it. Uh, For example, say you picked up a thumb drive off the curb. What are you going to do with it? You're going to plug it in. You want to plug it in? Well, congratulations. If you were a soldier in the Middle East in the year 2008, you just uploaded a virus to the American International Defense Network that will take 14 months to get out of the system. This is an actual story that occurred back in 2008 uh, when, as I said, a soldier put a flash drive that he found into a U.S. military laptop and he was in the Middle East. However, the flash drive's code just uploaded itself onto a network and got into the U.S. Central Command System. It could detect uh, both classified and unclassified information and... Essentially, it just was sending information to wherever it was supposed to, and we were never able to find out where it was sending the information to. Uh, However, it took us 14 months to take this thing out, and the worm's name was called Agent.BTZ. If anyone wants to research more on it, it's a very interesting read, Uh, especially once you realize that this worm eventually got to a point where it was practically adapting to what we were throwing at it. It has, it was essentially evolving and someone had managed to program it to evolve in a cyber attack. So just one of my favorite, well, favorite cybersecurity stories out there uh, that comes from just something so simple. You wouldn't think just, oh, hey, flash drive I found on the sidewalk. Maybe I should plug it in and 
figure out, try to figure out whose it is. And if I can't find out whose it is, then I'll keep it for myself. But in this case, it ended up just practically leaking a metric butt ton of uh, international U.S. information from Central Command. So, yeah, people, if you find a flash drive on the ground, don't be nice with it. <laughs> Unless you saw it fall out of someone's pocket specifically, then yeah. Back. Yeah, I think that's, and actually I had just been doing research of that just a few minutes ago too, and and yeah, I mean, a lot of times, like, I don't know, I find all the stuff so interesting, and so pretty much on a daily basis, and I'm sure you probably do for various different subjects as well, you know, like doing like a ton of research and always keeping numerous tabs open as to, you know, what this is, what's, you know, what's that, you know, how it all came to be interesting stories, and so... While I hadn't heard that specific story, I definitely was actually, um, prior to recording this, just reading, um, reading a bit about, you know, don't plug in random flash drives and don't randomly drop yours either. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it, especially because it's always a risk with flash drives. There are, it's honestly one of the most common penetration tests that penetration testing groups will do. Uh is leave thumb drives around a building or around a building's parking lot when they've been hired to uh, test the building's cybersecurity. And if someone picks up even one and puts it into a building device that's connected to the internet, then they're in. Uh, the tactic is, it's actually got a really cute name. The thumb drives are called rubber duckies uh, in the field. And it's funny, you call it something so innocent, but... In reality, it is essentially a key to everything that a business is. And even to this day, there's not really much you can do to block that, uh, except pray that whatever computer you plug it into will catch it and block it. Uh, but the thing with those is a lot of times they operate at the console. They operate at the command line and they work faster than any human ever could. So. The most we might see is a quick little pop-up of a black box on our screen, and then it's already done. And that's that's somewhat scary to think about, too. And then, well, yeah, it is scary when you think about it, because it could happen. You would never even notice it. You'd think you just plugged in a random flash drive, because to, at that point, it would start operating as a regular flash drive. Probably not one with a ton of memory, as it's got a computer chip in it that's allowing it to do all these things, but still... Uh, it's crazy that something so small and innocent could be so dangerous. Just a little thumb drive. Yeah, that is quite true. And yeah, and even like to other advice, yeah, I think I mentioned earlier too, like, you know, the whole password sharing, and I'm sure you are probably quite familiar with this. And so for people who constantly like maybe share their passwords or use the same ones or even you know, I know with social media, like so many of us have, well, not necessarily me, but yeah, so many other people, like their passwords will be very simple. And you can probably find out like by simply just going through like social media posts and, you know, something very simple like that. And so what are some, yeah, I guess to tell people who may not be aware, I guess, what are your, where's some stuff that might happen? Like for those people who, you know, aren't safe with their passwords. What's some stuff that can happen just from sharing your passwords? Well, if you if you share it to the wrong person, they could do whatever they want with your account. Uh, personally, 
Uh, one of the biggest things that I've seen happen is someone had their debit card or credit card connected to their account. Uh, they shared their password with a friend. Uh, they let that friend proceeded to let one of their friends go into the account for a little bit just to uh, have some fun, play around. I can't remember the specific account. I think it was actually Twitch. And the friend proceeded, well, friend of a friend proceeded to randomly make tons of purchases on Twitch with that other person's debit card and essentially cleaned them out. Uh, so don't leave your uh, payment methods as permanently there. Uh, I know it takes some time, but put them in every time. Put them in manually every time. Never save the payment information for later. You'll thank yourself in the long run. Plus, it also helps you uh, defend off um, impulse buying because then it's not just there and it's not just a click of the button. You actually have to go get the card, pull it out, type everything in, make sure you typed it all in right. So, yeah, uh, that's one thing that you can carefully do. Um, so that's one thing that you make sure of. Don't share passwords because you could lose all your money. Uh, don't share passwords because uh, the more people that have a password, the more open your account is and the more likely that information is to get out somehow just by word of mouth or someone else gets hacked or any number of things are possible. But once that password's out there, change your password as soon as you can, do what you can to minimize the damage, sometimes even delete the account and make a new one. It's the extremes of the spectrum, but honestly, it's not that bad in the long run, considering what could happen if you don't do it. Yeah, and I know, you know, even from my research of 2017, when we found out that, you know, that over two different instances in 2014, that I believe every Yahoo account was actually hacked. And so, and I know for a lot of people, yeah, it was no big deal for them, but I think what they don't understand is that while supposedly they may not have, you know, alleged valuable information, they still have contacts list and other, or maybe even links to other sites that they have been on. And so while you may not have any, you know, supposed information that may or may not, you know, be valuable to whoever, you have other people's information who, you know, or your other accounts, which certainly will have this information. And so, yeah, as you said, knowing the whole scope of everything and, you know, no matter who you are to really, you know, take care of your accounts and, you know, understand everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so another thing, too, that, yeah, that comes to mind is I know over these past few years, and I think I spoke about this in a um, discussions episode. Um, that I did on my on my podcast of like a month or so ago, well, a few months ago, is yeah, you know, is we were I was speaking a bit about um, two factor authentication, and so do you have any insight into that? Oh yeah, that's always useful. Uh, honestly, two factor authentication. If you have the option to do it, do it. Uh, any method of it is good because that means if someone is trying, you well, you would hope that if someone is trying to get into your account from a different device, you'll get a notification on one of your devices that you've got hooked up for two factor authentication that will allow you to block that connection, and then you know that someone tried to get in. And you can easily just shut everything down, delete all the information that you need to, change passwords, usernames, all sorts of different things, and go from there. Yeah, because I think it really is, you know, worth the little extra few seconds that you might have to spend 
you know, to do it. I mean, the yeah, risk it. Yeah. Exactly. It'll take you. It'll take you maybe five minutes to change a password or to change a username or something like that. It's so simplified these days for us that there's no reason that you can't spend the five minutes to do it. Even if you are in a time crunch, it is not that hard, and the two-factor authentication will save you from time to time. Yeah, I think the only. I think the only hard part about that, though, is, you know, is like if your smartphone is like two-factor authenticated and, you know, you're locked out because then a lot of times you need your, your your phone to unlock it. Therefore, like you're in a, a predicament where you need your phone to unlock you know, your, your phone, but you don't have access to it. I think that's the only, I think that would be the only time where it's a little, eh, like, you know, do I have a backup device or a backup of a backup? Oh, yeah. <laughs> though sometimes uh, if you don't have a backup device... Uh, a lot of times you can use an email account. Uh, sometimes you can have two different email accounts. Uh, sometimes that are three uh, that you can use as essentially just, okay, here's my two-factor authentication. And if you have a backup email account, um, don't tell anyone that you have it. That That's one of the keys is keep your mouth shut about it. And that's less likely to get out there that you have that for your two-factor authentication. And it's... It, there are always there's always a back door that you can go through to solve that issue. Yeah, that is quite true. And and what are some misconceptions that that you are aware of in terms of cybersecurity? Oh boy, um, there's a ton of them out there. Um, one of them is that uh, it's kind of almost like someone's always watching you. Someone's always in your files and sneaking around and you're never safe and all that. No, it's not usually like that at all. If someone's going to be lurking in your files, then you, you've probably done something to warrant that or they've just decided to single you out as an easy target. Um, it's rare that there's someone 24-7 monitoring someone and that's ne almost never the case. Uh, you can and for an average person, uh, there is there is always risk, but the more that becomes available to the average person each day, cybersecurity-wise, uh, the lower the risk gets, but that risk will never be zero. However, there's no reason for you to live your life in fear of uh, cybersecurity and hackers and things like that, because the fact of the matter is, someday, something might happen. You might click on the wrong tab or accidentally click on one of those scam emails or texts or something like that and accidents happen we are human it's what we do uh we have to have these accidents and mistakes to learn from them but it's not a reason to live in constant fear you shouldn't just box yourself in and go become a technologyless hermit in the desert or something um no matter how cool obi-wan kenobi was sorry just had to slip in a nerdy reference there somewhere <laughs> uh but yeah that's one of the biggest misconceptions to people that are just getting into it and aren't uh, cybersecurity professionals or hackers. Heck, even when I first got into it, I was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. And then the more I read, I was just like, oh, it's only scary because I'm just now reading it, which kind of goes back to my saying earlier of so much doesn't make the news because ignorance is bliss. If a hack happens and nothing comes from it, nothing was stolen, nothing was damaged, no one got anything, no one was hurt, no one was affected in any significant way. Okay, no big deal. There's no reason to report on that. Do you think there would be a reason to report on that? I mean, 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, as you said, it's like, like for me as someone who is both like in technology and, you know, communication, it's like, for me, it's like, I'd really like to know everything, you know, I like for me, I would love to hear about it. But at the same time, like you said, Ignorance's Bliss, I mean, you know, it's, you know, it might create this fear and panic and, you know, not everyone reads like the full article. They just read the little you know, Instagram headline and of the article that's like, mm-hmm. um, you know you know, big hack and, you know, they don't read the fine print and, you know, even like you said, the, yeah, you know, all of the license and agreements, the end user. Oh yeah. And so much, there's so much other stuff. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It really is. And the problem is when significant stuff does come up, uh, it rarely makes the biggest headlines that it really needs to. Um, for example, Colonial Pipeline took hours to get to the news uh, until the gas line had already been down for a few hours. And w- one quick question for you, Brandon. How how crazy were the lines at the gas stations near you? Uh, so for... How fast did they go empty? <laughs> so, let's see. I think, I think it was a Friday that's like a Thursday or Friday that really like made the news and I remember just hearing all of the stuff like on the news because, you know, while I, that wasn't the reason I was watching the news, I mean, it certainly, you know, made the big headlines, you know, nationally and locally. And so, yeah, everyone was saying like, you know, you know, go get your gas. And so everyone was, you know, running out to go get gas. And it's like, you know, are all the cars full? And, you know, it, it was a whole big mess. And people were being ridiculous. They were putting gasoline in plastic bags, plastic containers, all sorts of different stuff that just isn't safe to carry gasoline in. But um, do you think that panic would have happened had no one reported on the uh, pipeline shutdown? Because less than a few days later, the pipeline was back up and running. Uh, I believe the headlines broke at about, uh, I want to say six o'clock, and I think it was on the eight. Uh, let me double check that real quick, because I want to double check my dates here as well. Uh, shoot, I had it here just a second ago, my apologies. But I believe it was uh, one of the first two weeks of May, but it was back up and running, because I do have this much here. Uh, it was back up and running by the 13th, May 13th, which is not that long of a time for it to be down. People probably wouldn't have even noticed it, aside from gas prices rising just a little bit, perhaps. Yeah. And, um, and from there, the biggest thing that people would need to worry about is uh, those prices being a few cents higher, and they wouldn't have really had to worry about anything shutting down down had people gone about their day normally and just used gas and not panicked and filled up the everything that they had and gas cans and everything that they could ever think of to hold gas with and basically bankrupted the gas economy uh for lack of a better term as so many gas stations ran out of fuel due to people panic buying and buying too much and not even in efficient ways i do you think that that could have been different had no one reported on the attack uh, yes and no i feel like it probably it would have been different had no one you know reported because a lot of times you know as we said earlier like you know the you know the importance of digital literacy in, in the, all of this <laughs> is very important and of course many of us you know we're all human we have this panic impulse where we see something happen we have to react to it instantly i mean kind of like you know march 2020 when you know when everything um yeah when everything went down due to the COVID 19 pandemic we've heard it many times before that you know everything like the toilet paper 
paper and hand sanitizer uh, mask all this different stuff all got that out instantly where you know we right, can milk and water with hurricanes as well yeah and so while all the stuff to have is yes important you know it's important to only keep maybe you know enough for us to use it at this point in time maybe a little more not to buy out the place mm-hmm. you don't need 100 percent of everything and i think that's important to know and so while i do think that reporting has affected it i still of course believe that it was important to report it i just i don't know it's like i feel like especially within this 21st century of so much digital media we also need to take a moment to actually like read through the whole thing a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff and to actually like you know i don't know not be in such a rush to do everything i mean i know this is the time where you know if we need to meet right now we can just hop on a zoom like we're doing now um oh, yeah. yeah we can yeah if something happens we need to go make a post about it but sometimes it's just best to you know pause wait wait it out think it all through and then act mm-hmm. and that's the real thing is people are people and this is just humans in general this isn't calling out a specific type of person or anything we we have a tendency to overreact as humans and when we do overreact a lot of times it's to go out and panic and get whatever you think you need is and as much as you think you need of it even if it ends up inconveniencing others uh we've seen it time and again hurricanes first thing to go water generators gasoline uh pandemics or diseases flu season even even just in flu season you can see those tissue aisles go fast <laughs> but but it's the really interesting part is a lot of times these things are resolved within days, if not less, uh, over just a few months in 2020 and 2021, uh, we've seen different groups get hacked. Uh, a lot of times that don't get to the news, we've seen them get hacked and they just pay off whatever the group wants and then they get their stuff back and it's business as usual. They improve their defenses just a bit to make sure that specific group doesn't get them again, or at least not in the same way. And they drop a few million dollars to get their files and information back. And in the long run, no one ever knows usually. Yeah, that's the scary part about it is, yeah, as you said, it all comes down to, you know, knowing all the information, then also keeping everything accountable and, you know, making sure that you're fully aware of the situation to the best of your knowledge. I mean, there's never really an instance where we know everything, you know, every bit of details. And there's some stuff that we probably won't even know for several years now. And we'll look back at this and say, why did we do that? <laughs> well, like nowadays, look at us. We're getting gasoline as a regular daily thing. And it's not a shortage, at least not as much. We've got the natural gasoline shortage of, well, it's a finite resource in the world, but even that, we're not panic buying gasoline because of that. When something like this happens and, oh no, I might not be able to get gas in my car for a day or two. If your car's already running on almost empty, that's when you panic and you get to the thing and you just fill up your car. Mm-hmm. But you were probably going to do that anyway, whether you had the information or not. Uh, but if you've got a full tank of gas, why waste the gas going to get more gas? Yeah. That that tank will last you for a while, especially with the miles per gallon that most of these cars these days have. Not to mention how many cars are becoming hybrid or electric these days. So this gas pipeline hack, in my opinion, was something that people shouldn't have worried about as much as they did. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how all of this progresses, like over the next several years and even decade, like going going forward. And I'm sure, you know, by then that you would have 
of course, finished your studies and gone on to, you know, to further stuff within cybersecurity and other, yeah, all of the amazing fields that you have been in throughout the years in some way or another. Perhaps. It's a possibility, but uh, honestly, the most likely evolution is that things will continue as they do, Uh, though... I do have a bit more hope as more and more has been making it to the news, more and more has been making it to the headlines, and people are realizing just how much we have fallen behind in the realm of cybersecurity. Uh, even America as a whole, not necessarily just uh, groups or people personally, honestly, with all our VPNs and firewalls and things like that, you can, an average person can purchase very good protection for what they need as an average person yeah it's really interesting to really see and one last thing i did want to say before we go ahead and go to our yeah our quick break is that as we um, begin to you know wrap this up is that even you know as we just discussed over these last few minutes of you know all of the stuff and definitely the impulse is that it almost stretch it essentially stretches the importance of you know being prepared and to prevent a lot of the stuff from happening you know as opposed to reacting after the fact you know so much stuff could probably be yeah you know, helped or you know prevented you know in a lot of these different ways kind of like even as we said like having secure passwords not sharing it and so and you know reading the fine print whereas you know we're if we were to do a lot of that stuff, we don't have to do the, you know, the long, unfortunate, you know, aftermath of it, of like buying a new computer, having to get all new accounts, go call up all the credit card companies and so much other stuff that probably could have been easily prevented. Of course, not everything can be prevented, but at least help the matter. Most certainly. Uh, honestly, that's going to probably be the future of cybersecurity is preventative measures and the more that we can prevent the easier it becomes for people to uh, react when something does get through because sometimes we'll know what our vulnerabilities are ahead of time we'll know what we're worried about and once we have that kind of block set we can work to start to prevent those and then we also know what we're reacting against sometimes yeah that is quite true and with that being said i'll be back I'll still be here with Joshua, stuck in just one moment, so please stay tuned. And so I'm still here, of course, with Joshua. And so, first of all, this has been a really great conversation. And, you know, I think this is probably one that could probably go on for hours, you know, had there, <laughs> um, there been time. But I know that... Yeah, we'll probably speak again at some point or never, yeah, whether it's on the podcast or elsewhere. But yeah, but is there any last thoughts that you would like to put out there? Any questions for me or anything that you'd like to say for those listening? Uh, not anything that comes to the top of my head instantly, I'll be honest, though. I feel the first thing and the most important thing is to tell people to always be safe. Always think before you're doing something online. Make sure that what you're doing is what you think you are doing and just double check if you get an email from someone that you're not sure call them first if you get a text message from someone that seems off don't text them back immediately don't click on the link uh find a different way to contact them and make sure it's them. Uh, For a lot of different things it's just using a bit of common caution. It's nothing to live in fear about it's nothing to 
judge your every move about. It's really just use a bit of common sense. We've all got a little bit. It's called common sense for a reason. Just use a little bit of common sense. And I feel like an average person should be just fine online. Yeah, that is quite true. Well, thank you so much, Joshua, for being here. It's always a pleasure being able to speak with you. And yeah, thanks for taking your time out to be here. Hey, thank you for having me, Brandon. It's been fun. I don't usually actually get to talk about this specific topic too much. Uh, A lot of my friend groups, I'm usually talking about uh, the fact that we're still learning a bunch of the coding languages that are pain that took us to learn, but really fun once you've gotten a hang of them. Uh, That or I'm talking games or television or just regular news with friends. So this was a really nice fresh, fresh air. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Brandon. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful day, everyone. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll talk to you all later.